Thank you for downloading the Grove City Vineyard Sermon Podcast. Enjoy today's message. And well, welcome everyone to the Vineyard. My name is Christian Root. I'm the associate pastor here. It's so good to be with you all today. And I'm, I'm going to jump right in. Around 750 years before the birth of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah prophesied this message in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He said, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. This morning we're going to be continuing our Advent series here at the Vineyard called Jesus Our Rescuer. And throughout the course of this Advent series, we're going to be looking at these four titles of Jesus found in Isaiah chapter 9, highlighting how each of these titles offers us a different window into the rescuing work of Jesus. This morning we're going to be looking at the second title from this famous verse, Mighty God. But before we we jump into today's description or title, why don't we pray together one more time. So Father, we just thank you that you're here. We thank you for these kids. Thank you for all the work that they've put into putting on the play for us tonight. We, we just ask your blessing, God, over all the activities of tonight. And I, I do pray that you would come and encourage us this morning. Just had a real sense, Lord, that you want to bring some fresh encouragement today. You want to give some fresh hope today, some fresh courage today, some fresh resolve to move forward. And so I ask in Jesus' name, would, would you come, would you Come, Holy Spirit, and and bring encouragement in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 750 years or so before the birth of Christ, Isaiah says to to us, do you want to know what this Savior is going to be like? This Savior is going to be a mighty God. He will be mighty. That is, he will be strong and heroic and a warrior. And for the first time in all of Scripture, we're told that this hero will be God himself. Not an angel, not a created being, but God who has put on flesh. A mighty God. And this is, quite frankly, this is really good news for us, church. Because if your life looks anything like my life, then there are some battles in your life that you know you can't win on your own. There are some struggles in your life that are threatening to take you under. There are some challenges in your life that you can't seem to figure out. If your life is anything like my life, then you need the help of one who is stronger than you. If your life is anything like mine, or to put it differently, if you are sitting here and breathing, then you need to be rescued by a mighty God who fights on our behalf. I want to spend the remainder of our time this morning looking at a passage from Mark chapter 5 together. For in this passage, Jesus' might and power are on display. We see Jesus fighting for another as a mighty God. And in this passage, we're given some clues as as to why Jesus loves to rescue us by fighting on our behalf. And so, if you have a Bible with you, you can turn with me now to Mark chapter 5. We're going to read a pretty big chunk of scripture, so bear with me. We're going to get through this together. We can do it, all right? Mark chapter 5, here we go. This is what we read. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. 
For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again to not send them out of the area, not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Amen? Amen. Just a nice little quaint Christian Christmas passage for you. Jesus sending the demons into the pigs. Now, if there was ever a desperate situation, guys, surely it was this one. For in today's passage, we find a man living in the tombs, the place of burial for the dead, isolated and ostracized. He was cut off from the community and in his great anguish would cut himself with stones. He was afflicted with unrelenting demonic oppression, with seemingly no one to advocate for him or sympathize with his plight. This was a man who needed a mighty God. This was a man who needed rescued. Now, as I, I just shared a, a moment ago, this passage gives us some clues as to why Jesus loves to fight for us as our mighty God. And, and so here's my first point, if you're taking notes. Here's point number one. Jesus loves to fight for us. Jesus fights for us because he sees our battles. He sees our battles. You know, in order to understand how, how remarkable this encounter truly was, we, we have to understand some of the greater context. The man that Jesus rescued in today's passage was living in an area east of the Jordan River called the Decapolis. Decapolis was an area made up of, of ten cities founded by the Greeks that were largely pagan. These cities followed the customs of, of the Greeks and the, the Romans of that day. So no self-respecting Jew would ever venture into the Decapolis. There's only two recorded occasions, in fact, this being the first in which Jesus ever visited the Decapolis himself. What's even more intriguing is what Jesus left behind in order to pursue this rescue mission. Back in Mark chapter 3, Jesus was on the other side of the Sea of Galilee ministering amongst the Jews. And his ministry, guys, it was taking off. We're told in Mark chapter 3 that the crowds around Jesus were so big that he had to preach in a boat just to keep the masses from crowding around him. 
And later on in Mark chapter 3, as Jesus entered a house, the, the crowd that followed behind him was so big that Jesus and his disciples did not have room to eat a meal. And in the midst of, of this great ministry, when the people were eating up every word that Jesus was, was offering, when they were celebrating everything that he did, Jesus told the disciples at the end of chapter 4 that they were about to leave. Jesus told his disciples that they were going to get in a boat and they were going to head across the Sea of Galilee to the region of the Decapolis. So you can imagine how perplexing this must have been for the disciples, right? I can just picture them muttering amongst themselves, why would we leave this hotbed of ministry in which people are absolutely flocking to us in order to travel across the Sea of Galilee at night to a region that no self-respecting Jew would ever set foot in? And their complaining probably only increased when they realized that they were in the middle of a great storm on the Sea of Galilee. In Mark chapter 4, as Jesus and, and the disciples crossed the, the sea, a great storm rose up. The disciples, of course, they started freaking out. Do you remember this? You remember this story? The disciples see the storm, they start freaking out. And then Jesus famously, he gets up, wakes up, famously calms the storm. And after calming the storm, Jesus and the, the disciples, they arose on the shore and met our demonized friend. And so that's the greater context of this passage. Now, here, here's what I believe we can surmise from all of these facts, guys. While Jesus was ministering among the Jews in Galilee, and the disciples were, were enthralled with their new rock star status, Jesus saw through the help of the Holy Spirit that there was a man who was clearly in trouble. A man on the other side of the lake who needed help. Even though they were miles apart, Jesus saw this man. He saw his terrible suffering. He saw his desperation. And so Jesus left everything in behind in order to find this man and rescue him. And friends, what is true of Jesus' earthly ministry is far more true now that he is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He sees us. He sees us in our hurting places. He sees us in our struggles. He sees us in our suffering. He sees us in our pain. Jesus sees the moms of young children who, who love their kids deeply, but who, frankly, are just tired, just tired and feel like they're on the verge of snapping. He, he sees those of us who are struggling financially and trying to figure out how we're going to provide for Christmas this year, even though the math isn't, isn't adding up. He sees those of us who are walking around daily with pain in our body that is unseen by the rest of the world. He sees the disappointed. He sees the burnt out. He sees those who feel rejected. He sees those who feel isolated and alone. Friend, listen, I don't know why you're walking through the season that you're walking through right now. I don't know why you're facing some of the challenges that you are. But I know that Jesus sees you. And I know that it's in these moments of trial and despair, guys, that Jesus loves to show up. Do you believe that? And I, I believe that, that right now, for many of us, Jesus is planning his rescue mission on our behalf, even if his definition of the right time is different than our own. Jesus sees where you're at, and he loves showing up. He loves breaking in. He loves intervening and bringing you freedom. 
Jesus fights for us because he sees us. And secondly, Jesus fights for us because he values us. Because he values us. Let's read verses 11 through 13 once again. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Now, 2,000 pigs would have been a fortune in Jesus' day. In fact, it would have been worth more than a fortune. These pigs would have represented a significant portion of this area's economy. These pigs didn't have a sole owner. Many, many people from the surrounding area would have invested in these pigs. And so if you would have asked those tending the pigs, hey, hey guys, is this man living out in the tombs like a, like a wild dog? Is he worth more than 2,000 pigs? Those attending the pigs would have, would have laughed at the thought. Of course the pigs were more valuable. This was a man who had been driven from the community for good reason. And these pigs, again, they represented a vast fortune. And if in one of his more, more lucid moments, you would have asked this demonized man if he was worth more than 2,000 pigs, his downward and dejected stare would have probably said it all. And so when, when Jesus allowed the demons to head into the pigs, he was saying, in effect, to this man, you are worth more than the money that these animals could provide. You are worth more than the security that they could provide. You are worth more than the sustenance that they could offer. You are valuable in my eyes. This is what Jesus was saying to that man. Listen, Often we end up in desperate straits because we ourselves have helped create the mess. Do you know that one? We've helped dig the hole. The shovel is in our hands. And it's easy if, if you're living with that awareness that you have helped create the mess that you find yourself in to believe that you don't deserve tenderness, to believe that you don't deserve mercy, to believe that you don't deserve to be rescued. But friends, we have to fight to believe by faith that we're worth rescuing. Not because of some inherent goodness within us, not because we're entitled to it. We're worth rescuing because we follow a mighty God who says so. Look, for the rest of this man's life, he knew that he knew that he was valued by Jesus. Because he could say from then on, Jesus left his comfortable position on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And he undertook a treacherous journey across a stormy lake for my sake. All so that he might free me at a great cost. The cost of 2,000 pigs. And I wonder if there are some of us here right now who would say, I would love, I would love to have some kind of verifiable proof like this man had, that Jesus loves me and values me and considers me to be a person of worth. But friend, if, if you are here and you are a follower of Jesus, you can say today, I know that I know that I am valued by Jesus. Because Jesus left his comfortable position in heaven and he undertook a treacherous journey to the cross for my sake. Also that he might free me at a great cost, the cost of his very life. 
you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, that is your testimony. That is what we cling to in those moments in which we feel like we have nothing to offer, in which we feel utterly worthless. Jesus paid his punishment on the cross that we might receive pardon. He laid down his life for us that we might find ours in return. Friend, this is a Savior who has gone to great, great lengths to prove to you how valuable you are to him. And this is a mighty God who is going to continue to show himself faithful to you, continue to show you how valuable you are to him by continuing to fight on your behalf. I, I need at least one amen right now, guys, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose it, okay? Jesus values each and every one of us. No matter how many dumb things you've done, no matter how much you've pushed him away, kept him at bay, turned away from him in moments of weakness, he values you. You're worth rescuing. And he's already proven it by going to the cross on your behalf. Moving on to, to our last point today. Jesus fights for us, guys, because our victory brings him glory. Our victory brings him glory. Let's look at verses 18 through 20 once again. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Understandably, after being freed by Jesus, the man wanted to travel with him. The man wanted to go with him. Jesus, I just want to be where you're at. And yet this was the one request in the entire passage that Jesus did not grant. Isn't that interesting? Demons asked him for three things. He granted all of those things. Townspeople asked Jesus to leave, granted their request. The one request that he did not, he did not grant was this man's request that he might go with Jesus. For what did Jesus tell him to do instead? He told him to go back to his own people and tell others what had happened. He told him to share his story. And because this man shared his story, Jesus received all of the glory, and many people in that area became followers of Jesus. You know, just as an aside, how amazing is it that Jesus looked at a man who only seconds before was absolutely out of his mind, was, was yelling and cursing and, and railing against the world, and, and only seconds later looked at this man and said, I want you to be my first missionary. Friend, if you think God couldn't possibly use you, if you think that your, your past is just a little too dark, if you feel like you have just a few too many skeletons in your closet, then you need to spend just a little bit more time reading this story. Jesus loves using broken people. He looked at this man and he said, there's my first missionary. He's going to go to the Greeks. He's going to go to the Decapolis. He's going to tell them about me. And when Jesus' friends is looking for new recruits for his kingdom's works, he He's not hosting a beauty pageant. Do you know that? He's not hosting a beauty pageant. He looks for the willing who are ready to go. He's looking for the, the willing who are ready to serve, willing to be used. If you want to be used by Jesus, he will use you. He's not a God who starts a beauty pageant. Now listen, 
If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, my, my guess is that you want to have a testimony. You want to have a testimony. We talk about this all the time. Like, like the man from this passage, we want to be able to share with others a story about how Jesus intervened in your life and brought freedom and blessing and joy. All of us want that. All of us want to be able to say, I want to be able to tell my neighbors, I want to be able to tell my friends what the Lord has done for me, how he intervened in my life. But here's the tricky thing about testimonies. You know, in order to have one, you have to actually walk through something hard. There needs to be an obstacle in your life that needs overcome. No one wants to hear a story about how you always wanted a new iPhone. And so you saved up and you saved up and you got a Christmas bonus and you thought, hey, what... Why don't I use this to buy an iPhone 11? No one wants to hear that story. That's not a great testimony. That's not a movie that I'm watching, okay? Because you didn't actually overcome anything. If we desire to bring God glory by sharing with others how he has freed us or rescued us or provided for us, it will require spending some time in a pit. It will require needing a real rescue. And friend, maybe, maybe you find yourself in a pit of your own today. You're just walking through a hard season. Maybe it's your own life. Maybe it's, maybe it's your job. Maybe it's the life of someone you care about. And if that's you, let, let me just close by offering you one way that you can pray during this time. In the book of Isaiah... God spoke through the prophet Isaiah and told his people that while they would go into exile for their disobedience, he would eventually turn from his anger and show them mercy once more. And in a wonderful passage in Isaiah chapter 41, God shares with his people that a time is coming where he will once again provide for them and bless them. This is what we read in Isaiah chapter 41, verses 17 through 20. I love these verses. God says through the prophet Isaiah, The poor and needy search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst. But I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, I will not forsake them. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn into the, the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. I will set junipers in the wasteland, the fir and the cypress together, so that people, and this is what I want us to focus on, so that people may see and know, may consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this, that the Holy One of Israel has created it. Friend, Jesus longs to rescue us as our mighty God, so that after, what he, after we have shared what he has done in our life, other people might see and know, might consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this. He longs to rescue us that our story might give him glory. So if you find yourself in a rather hopeless situation this morning, why not consider making Isaiah chapter 41 verse 20 your prayer as you move forward? Why, why, not, coming, why not come before the Lord and say, Jesus, I ask that you heal my marriage. But I'm not asking you for a little bit of growth, even though I understand that growth comes in increments. I'm asking that you would so heal my marriage, Jesus, that you would so restore our relationship that when I tell others about it, 
They might see and know. They might consider and understand that only the hand of the Lord could have done this. Or you might say, Jesus, you know that my adult child is struggling with addiction. And I'm not just asking that you would help them get clean for a week. I'm asking that you would so free them from their addiction that when I tell others about what has happened and share about my prayers for my child, that others might see and know, might consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this. Friend, perhaps you're in a season of, of depression right now. You're struggling with burnout. You, you, just, you just feel done. Why not begin to pray? Jesus, I ask you that you so fill me with peace. I ask you that you so fill me with joy. I ask you that you so fill me with energy and with life that when other people look at me, they might see and know, they might consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this. Would you so rescue me, Jesus, that you would be glorified as a result? Friends, Jesus, he fights for us because he sees our struggles. Your, your situation, your problems... They are not foreign to our Lord. He sees you. He knows even those things that you can't articulate to others. And Jesus fights for us because he values us, because we matter to him. You matter to him. And lastly, he fights for us that our story might give him glory that our story might give him glory, that other people who see what we've been through, who see what we walk through, and yet still have joy in our life, still have peace in our life, are still praising the Lord, they might see and know that they might consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this. Amen? Amen. Jesus is indeed our mighty God who rescues us by fighting on our behalf. Why don't we stand? You know, I, I, I tried to give a, a sermon that was uncharacteristically short for me. That you're not just getting out of here now, I, I apologize. Because I wanted to create some space here on the back end of our service for, for us to, to simply invite the Holy Spirit to come. You know, for some of us right now, this isn't just a nice sermon point, right? This isn't just an encouraging thought. This is your life. And you're, you're struggling. So I'm not trying to project that onto you. If life is great for you right now, praise God. This isn't all of us. I'm not suggesting that all of us right now are in the pit. Praise the Lord for that. But for some of us here today, this is real. This is real. And what you need most, if this is real for you right now, if you are struggling, if you are struggling with an illness, if you are struggling with relational issues in your family, if you are struggling financially, if you are struggling with anxiety, if you're struggling with depression, what you need isn't, isn't just a, another pep talk from me. What you need is the Holy Spirit to come and to meet you. And so here, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to invite the Lord, and we're just going to wait. 
And if you're someone that, you know, struggles to stand for a long time, you can sit. There's no pressure. But we're just going to invite the, the Lord to come and begin to ministering to some of us. He is, he is a God who sees us, and He is a God who values us enough to come and meet us. So we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. So right now, I, I invite you, come Holy Spirit. Right now in your seat, you can just pray that in your own heart. Just come Holy Spirit. You have promised to give rest to the weary and the burdened. You have promised to comfort the brokenhearted. So I ask Holy Spirit, would you come now and minister among us? Come Holy Spirit. You know, I, I have a sense that, that there's some in the room that you're just really struggling to, to believe that, that peace, that you are, you're worth rescuing. And so if, if that's where you are, I, I just invite you even now as you stand to, in your own heart to say that to the Lord. I believe by faith, not because of any inherent goodness within me, not because, again, I'm entitled to it, but because you say so, I believe that I'm worth rescuing. So you can just pray that prayer right now as we wait. Come, Holy Spirit. We wait for you. We wait. You're worth waiting for. pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would just begin to give out gifts of encouragement to those who need it. Right now, Holy Spirit, would you just begin to give out gifts of encouragement? Would you give out the gift of hope? For those of you who would say, you know, this is, this is really relevant for my life right now because of an issue in your family, because of an issue at work, because of a health issue, I'm just going to ask you, do something a little brave, I'm just going to ask you to, to start to come forward and just to hang out right up here. If there's anybody here that you would say, this is, this is just my life, this is, I need... I need Jesus to intervene in my life, in a family member's life, in a child's life, 
that's where you're at, I'm just going to invite you to come forward. right now in in Jesus' name that you would just pour out your compassion on those who have come forward. Father, would would you pour out your compassion, Holy Spirit? Even right now, would you give them a greater awareness of your love for them? Come, Holy Spirit. You're the God who sees us. You're the God who values us. You're the God who intervenes that you might receive the glory. Come, Holy Spirit. God of compassion. Now, friends, I would love to have some folks begin to come and pray for these folks who are brave enough to come up. And so can we have some of you come forward now? We want to make sure everyone gets prayed for. Probably can't double up. Could you just find someone and begin? We want to pray for these folks. been trained to pray. We're going to need more people up here. Come Holy Spirit. We're going to need some more folks. And so if you are trained to pray, Friends, here's what I want to do. We're going to sing one last song. And regardless of whether you came forward or not, all of us have some stuff in our life, right? doesn't quite fit. It isn't, isn't what we would hope for. And so I, I encourage you as we sing this last song to just, to just lift these things up to the Lord. Knowing that he is a mighty God. Knowing that he loves to intervene. He loves to fight on our behalf. So let's sing this last song together, church, and then I'll come up to close this.